to you from New York, New York. It's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and here we are again. Hollywood Godfather Podcast, man. This is it. I'm getting so used to this. We may go daily. <laughs> I mean, this is so much fun. And um, tonight's a, an interesting program for me because it brings up uh, a subject that I'm very dear to, the Godfather. And someone asked me a question, and, and we all had brief conversations about Al Latouri and his career. And for the audience that doesn't know who Al Latouri is, Al Latouri played Salazzo, probably his most important role in his movie career. But he co-starred with so many people. He, like, he did uh, The Getaway oh, oh, when uh, Steve McQueen redid it. And then, yeah, he, yeah. and then, then he played a great, uh, with a great actor who I love, Charles Bronson, in Mr. Majestic. He played opposite him. But most people don't know that this guy really was a studied thespian. Stella Adler, every, you name them. And um, so with that said, he invited me to a guy that, Pat, you would know the name, Pasquale Eboli, his house oh, yeah. in New Jersey. So who is, who is he? I happen to know, and I'm going to let you know that. All right. Thank you for asking that, man. <laughs> Very good. Funny you should ask. Yeah. Funny you should ask. Great question. <laughs> Great question for all the millennials out there. Oh, yes. Okay. What was this? He invited you there before the movie, before The Godfather, or after? No, what was That's funny, all... Al Turi said that my brother-in-law wanted to have some of us over for a dinner. He knew all, we were all in town. So Did you know at the time who his brother-in-law was? I didn't know that Pasquale was his brother-in-law, no. And I didn't know, you know, that that's Tommy Ryan's brother, Tommy uh, um, Eboli's brother, mm. who I've known since the Genovese family. Huh. So, but I found it very, very surprising because we, uh, we had invited Matt Morgana King, the brother had a house like right outside of Fort Lee, very nice area. And uh, it was a Saturday night, I remember it well. And we went to the house, and Pasquale Eboli, while Alaturi was invited, his sister was married to him. So these guys were really his brother-in-law huh. and brother-in-law's family. So with this said, he told me, and I'm saying, I ain't going to say nothing. And I didn't know that Tommy was going to be there. So I mean, we Did had. Did you know a, Tommy before this? Oh my God! Yeah, I knew Tommy. I knew Tommy in, in my teens, because again, Patsy's and I used to bring money up to Patsy's late at night. We used to call them midnight loans mm -hmm. when they had the big games <laughs> in the back. So I'd go up there all the time. In fact, I I, I ate at Rayo's before anybody even knew what Rayo was with Rayo. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get into that. But um, the invited guest list, fortunately for me. Uh, one of my favorite guys was left out, James Caan. But, mm, favorite. <laughs> yeah, but Pacino was there like a, a little boy, you know, and we were just in rehearsals. I mean, yeah. this guy was so intimidated by everything. Or maybe he was just playing the Michael Corleone in his early years. But <laughs> And then a lady, who I really loved for many, many years, and I was, uh, I think I was partially instrumental in getting her the job as... Michael Corleone's mother, Morgana King, who was like, you know, in her late 
30s maybe, early 40s at the time. Mm -hmm. But she played Marlon Brando's wife in the movie. And the reason we both all loved her, and I, I took, uh, I took um, Al Ruddy to see her, because she said, do you have anybody that could speak Sicilian and act like a grandmother? Mm -hmm. And I said, I got the lady, Morgana King, man. He's Morgana King, the jazz singer? I said, yeah. And uh, they met each other, and that was it. She nailed it. Wow. And she played it. Even the, even, uh, the ad-lib scenes when we were at my wedding, and she came and she took my up. hand. Mm. You know, she's holding me while the, the mother and father, I met Marlon Brando and his daughter was dancing. Mm -hmm. It was very reminiscing, you know. But So we were all there having dinner. And so then, let me interrupt you. Oh, please, please. Was that her first movie role? I would think so, yeah. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. No, great question. And that yeah. was her last movie role in The Godfather too. Do you know why that? Why? Tell me. She, she's a Sicilian superstitious person and in godfather 2 they asked her she has to get in the coffin oh my gosh and she went nuts she wouldn't do it she said i'm not getting in the coffin da, 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 da. <laughs> so i mean and created a big scene and she did though mm, don't get too sorry sure about that <laughs> uh -huh. i i just I, like her exactly they they made up a person and put her in there really yeah. She wouldn't get in it. That wasn't King. Huh? That wasn't her. You know, I, I, it wasn't her, and I don't know whether it was a mannequin they made up to look like her. Yeah. Or, you know. What but an exact likeness. They, they, put a, they made a big stink out of it. I wow. Know that, yeah. You know, and. Um, I tell you, that, that's got to be creepy, though, playing in a coffin. I, I, <laughs> I used to play jokes on people. And uh, my friends owned Trapani's funeral home, and one of my closest friends was uh, a guy that, that owned South Brooklyn Casket Company. So I used to get coffins all the time. And Johnny Ga John Gatz used to have the use of all his father's limousines. So one time I went to a surprise party at Ian Schrager's, <laughs> and they were given like $500 best costume. So I got four five pallbearers I got a coffin and I put hot ice in it and put those disco blue lights in it and yeah. I and I got in it all made up oh my gosh and I had them carry me in and that's how I got to the party and I won <laughs> okay that's that's it you're certifiably nuts <laughs> no but have I won, we not I, learned that by now I won five hundred dollars <laughs> no, 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 this, this is certified this is certified okay. oh my before gosh. we just discussed it now we know. Sure. <laughs> no, you win the five hundred. That's the important thing. Oh, shit, mm. probably that night. But uh, yeah. I didn't need the money. It was just the idea of that winning. You know, at yeah. studio. Oh, yeah. I, do, I mean, how do you feel inside of a closed coffin? I mean, it didn't bother. It didn't bother me at all. You probably no. loved it. Well, I, you know, I hid out so much. I, I, I was more afraid of, uh, which uh, was during that time also. I got shot one night in in, uh, in uh, Corona, Brooklyn. We used to go to all those dances, Regina Padre, St. Fortunatus, all these. I love to dance. Mm -hmm. And once I got my mobility, I was like, uh, I used to go to the uh, Statler Hilton and see Macheco, Laplace, Sextat, and Tito Puente. Mm -hmm. So I was a great dancer. And most guys, especially Brooklyn guys, oh, no, we don't dance. So all these, yeah. you know, go to dancing, there's 50 girls dancing with each other. <laughs> so my crew... Was you know we were all dancers and having fun, and all carrying guns, mm. and uh, 
we were leaving with our wonderful cars, and some of the neighborhood kids thought they were going to have their way with us. I got shot. I got shot running because the whole police were coming. There was gunfights all over the place. I don't even know what the body count was, and nothing deadly because mm-hmm. we were using those stupid 22s and stupid guns like that. But fortunately and unfortunately, I got shot in the leg and in the butt. Mm. And I went down a storm sewer because they were looking for me. Right. And I, you know, there was a great uh, the storm sewers on the corners. So you, you can go down them mm-hmm. very easy. And there's a ladder right there, a steel ladder. And I'm holding on to this ladder. And I didn't realize how much blood I was dripping. Oh. And I started hearing all these rats started collecting at the foot of the ladder. Oh. And that, that was scary. Coffin, I could do anytime. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Holding on to that ladder for 40 minutes was tough. That's really scary. But we're, we're going way off on yes, the, from the Yes, way off brothers. topic. We went from New Jersey to Brooklyn without even a, a beat. <laughs> But we had this wonderful dinner, and then Tommy Eberly came in. And Tommy was, you know, the powerhouse of the, that, that family. And um, we all talked, and, and then Tommy hugged and kissed me. And Latiri and Pacino, even Morgana King, saying like, because he had a bigger reputation, you know, that Pat, than Pasquale. Yeah, he was, he, yeah, he was a jukebox guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, he he owned a lot of a lot of slots. He was a, he was a gambler. Yeah, a major right? guy. Yeah, yeah. But he was a major underboss in the Genovese family also at that time. Oh, I was working the, the the night he was killed in Brooklyn. Oh, you kidding? Yeah, I was in the I was in the seven seven precinct uh, working at a, a TPF. I wasn't there on the scene, but I heard it on the radio. Uh, man down, shots fired. They got him on a, on the street in front of his uh, girlfriend's house. Gambino. Yeah, yeah. I was going to get into it. They, they, and they, I mean, they they. You know, it's funny because uh, I, after that dinner, I, I, when I went to the club a, a week or two later, I told the old man, I said, uh, I got regards from Tommy Eberly. And he looked up at me, and he, he's very normally very calm. And he says to me, where'd you see this guy? I said, I was at his brother's house. We're having dinner with the cast of the golf ball and all that. And he looked at me, took a beat. He said, don't get too close to him. Mm. <laughs> and you know, I didn't, I don't never questioned him about anything, but I found out later why. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Mm. But uh, yeah. but you know, Tommy was an up and coming guy, man. And, and these kids, uh, and he, he was on 119th Street every day, because you know he answered to Fat Tony Salerno, and uh, and that was before Chin became the boss. Yeah. But uh, like you pointed out, they were making some moves, and. Uh, the commission sanctioned his hit. Mm. And uh, he got killed in front of his girlfriend's house a couple of blocks down from where Gambino lived. Oh. And um, that in itself, you know, sparked a lot of things. And the unfortunate thing about that, about a day or two later, Pasquale disappeared and they never found him, still, to this day. Really? Oh, yeah, no, and uh, there was all kinds of rumors about what went on, but. I know, I know nothing about it, but you know, it was unfortunate. But and uh, here we are. And, <laughs> well, how is he to work with, Al? Oh, Latiri, oh, such yeah. a professional. And then I mean, after he, he, out of everybody in, in that movie, and everybody did a, did a great job. But 
you know, from just from a, 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 a fan's point of view, without knowing what I know about the movie now, uh, he was the quintessential gangster. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. He, he was And great. he wanted to be. You know, he, yeah. he, he knew it. He knew it. Yeah. Pat, if that's my mother, tell her I'm not home. <laughs> All right. He never stops working. He I'm never telling st- you, man. Never, never people st- calling me. I don't even know who they are. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 please. It's, uh, you're important. You notice... Uh, that's what I tell everybody. No, I mean, Megan and I, we never get a call. Mm-mm, my phone yeah. never rings. <laughs> I'm going to have somebody call me. Just, over, just, I'll, I'll, I'll call you. Okay, Beautiful. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, when, the day he was killed, it was reported that he was doing $50 million a year. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. $50 million. Tommy Ryan. Yep. That's nuts. And so that was another problem, I think, that was rubbing Gambino mm. because uh, we think, or not me, or they, they thought that he was starting to get into the drug business that was totally a no-no at that point. And plus, um, there came down to be that Gambino wanted a friend of his to take a place of the underboss of that family because they were making moves, and we found out later on that all the other moves they made, even when um, Costello stepped down, when Vito came out and he wanted his family back, he would wrap it in a, in a, a ribbon and give it back to him. Because mm-hmm. that's when they, they were really getting to where they wanted to be in the syndicate in the world and making a lot more money than all these guys were. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's crazy time. Crazy time. Yeah. But I, I was happy when we first got the call sheet mm-hmm. from Paramount. Because I, I actually moved from here to 59th Street. To that was in, a hell of a boo, huh? Well, I, I, the, only, only, <laughs> the only reason I did it, because as you could tell, I still have an uh, L.A. phone number. And at the time, I had a, yeah, yeah. I had a house in Vegas. And so they in, had a room for me at the Park Lane Hotel where everybody was staying other than Brando. Mm-hmm. Brando was staying at the Elisai Hotel, which I used to drop him off there all the time on, on 50, uh, 54th Street, where the monkey bar is and still there, which I love. But why I'm saying that, I wanted to be where all the action was. You know, I'm 26 years of old, course. I'm an egomaniac. <laughs> all the press is waiting outside every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, I want to be there. But the only thing is that when I got the call sheet, they said we're going to go to 119th Street to Patsy's restaurant. I actually thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> I said, I think somebody's playing a game with me. Yeah, right. Because I knew everybody up there. And again, you know, I, I, to describe this cast, because I only, I only met them momentarily, like Sterling Hayden had combat boots on, unkept. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Diane Keaton. Yeah, I remember they you saying that. They were all like disheveled people. <laughs> and I'm downstairs. It was like a, a eight o'clock pickup. So I told the the PA, I said, I don't need a car. He said, Well, how are you going to get up there? I said, Well, you see that Bentley over there with the Chinese chick? That's my car. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I got them so crazy early on. It was nuts. <laughs> I actually who, cho- who, who who chose Patsy's for the table read? Francis Ford Coppola. He knew about the room in the back. They were scouting different locations anyway. Mm-hmm. And that, that was one of the locations they were looking for. And uh, they had a big room in the back where they had Ziggy Net games and, 
a full casino after 12 o'clock at night mm -hmm. in that room. But I knew it well, and as soon as you went into Patsy, it was the big bar and all that. So I deliberately took my time to get up there because I wanted everybody to be there. Because mm -hmm. I knew everybody was going to be there, and they, nobody even know who these guys are. <laughs> so I get out of the car, and everybody's hugging and kissing me. In fact, uh, Tony Salerno sitting outside chopping on a cigar. I didn't want him to kiss me. He always smelled such, smelled like an ashtray, like oh. my grandfather, my son. But anyway, so now they're all saying, like, who is this guy? <laughs> How come everybody knows him? And nobody knew me in the business, you know, right. just the mob guys. And, uh, and I had this wonderful Chinese chick that Brando fell in love with immediately. I finally gave her to him months later, but uh, not like slavery, but she wanted to go. Mm -hmm. I, never, <laughs> I was about I, to say that wording was a little, yeah, well, a little I, iffy. Well, you know, I know. No, no, I mean, no. I, I, I know, I'm just messing but, with you. Uh, yeah, no, but she, uh, I think she's still living in Tahiti. I don't know. <laughs> she may have had one of his nine kids, too. I don't know that. But So weren't you a little bit intimidated? I mean, you never acted a day in your life. You walk into this room, around this table are professionals. I mean, didn't you feel uh, the least bit intimidated? Brando sitting there, Sterling Hayden, Al Pacino, nobody knew. But, uh, you know, how'd you feel? I, I, that didn't bother me at all. You know, I, I, I like th those kind of challenges to me. I've been an actor all my life. But not then. I'm talking about in my real life. Yeah, acting you know, in acting, everyday acting, life. Acting, acting. Yeah. No, no, not, no. But you know what? I, I, I felt I knew the part. I, you know, I, uh, I had a girl read me the book, and 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 I had somebody you know teaching me reading the script with me, and uh, I didn't see a problem with it. And most of my lines were all physical, so I knew I could do that. Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest part was beating up my pregnant wife, because I was a young kid. I had these memories of my father beating up my mother all the time, mm -hmm. just oh, wow. yeah. just so he had an excuse to go out. Oh. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I, that, that was the only difficult part. And then again, that was the day that, you know, the rehearsal was called. We're all up there. And uh, I, I meet Marlon Brando, like you just said. Yeah. And on the call sheet, it said, do not approach Mr. Brando. Do not have eye contact. Bold letters on the bottom. It's okay. I don't know. Don't bother me. The guy, we had our first break and he came over to me. Hmm. And I, I wonder said, who the hell you are. Well, yeah. I knew that. Why but are I, you here? No, but he said to me, you know, and I, I mean, we put it in the book. I think it's worth repeating, though. It's a classic story. Yeah. And he came over to me and he said, um, you're a big TV actor. I said, no. He said, you got a big movie coming out. I said, no. He said, well, you're not on Broadway. I know everything on Broadway. I said, you're right again. Because I was just trying to be nice to the yeah, guy. Right. Yeah. And then he said to me, who did you study with? I said, study what? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so he calls Francis Ford Coppola over. And it's the first time, you know, a professional broke down what I'm supposed to be doing in the movie. He said, this guy marries my daughter. He undermines my family. He beats my daughter up to get my oldest son lured to the house and to the street and get killed. And this, and this way, they draw in my youngest son, Michael, who I never wanted in this business. He said, Francis, you better think about this. This is not going to work. You better consider somebody else. And my blood was boiling because <laughs> even in the neighborhood, I already had parties. And I was telling everybody, I'm in the movie. 
And, then, and they're all saying, get out of here. How are you going to be in this movie? Johnny, you've done some crazy things. You're not in that movie. I said, I am. I got a major part. So I'm saying to myself, imagine if this guy does get me fired. I oh, can go back yeah. in the neighborhood. You can never see I'm a liar. Yeah, of course. An Italian that can't go back to the neighborhood, you might as well shoot yourself. Oh, yeah. Tell yeah, me about it. Especially in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, or, or, or somebody will shoot you. Yeah, no kidding. But the th- and, they, and there was a lot of guys that wanted to buy then too. But the th- the thing is, uh, I saw this opportunity. I said, "Whoa, wait a minute." So I don't know the protocol on the stri- on the on on a, on a set, mm-hmm. even in a rehearsal. I can't even talk to the director unless he talks to me. So I told him, I said, "Francis," meaning Francis Ford Coppola. Of course. Go over there a minute. And he left. The whole room went quiet. Like. Who was this guy? He just told the director to leave because they knew everything about that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh-huh. And then the next sacrilege, I put my arm around Brando, and I walk. You can't touch Brando. You can't even talk to him. Not alone touch him. I touch him, and I walk him out where the Ziganet game is in the back room because I didn't want to embarrass the guy. <laughs> and I figured if I don't straighten this out now, this guy's going to get me fired. So I walked back to the room. Out of earshot, in a whispery voice, right to his face. I held his face right up to me. I said, let me just tell you something, Mr. Brando. All due respect to who you are, you get me fired from this and embarrass me. I will suck on your heart. You'll bleed out here today. You understand me? Oh. He looked back. I don't know if he was going to scream for a cop or what. <laughs> he looked back. He said, that was brilliant. You could do this part. He thought I was acting this maniac. <laughs> and from That's that day on, in fact, he left me left with me that day. I thought he liked me. That's how I realized he liked the Chinese chauffeur. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he used to ride me every day to Staten Island. Everybody got mad at me. I mean, forget him. That's how the mooning started. In the mm-hmm. movie, we had all these moonings going on. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if anybody knows New York and Park Avenue, as you go down Park Avenue, keep hitting red lights. And, you know, it's like a piggyback down all the way so I'd leave the Park Lane, go pick him up on 54th Street. Well, sure enough, a couple of red lights. There's James Kahn and uh, Robert Duvall in the back of a station wagon. And I got Covassier for him. I knew he liked Covassier mm-hmm. coffee. My girl got everything from him. We're sitting at the little tables that pull out of the back of the seat. <laughs> and we're there. We went about two or three red lights. And as soon as we get to the next red light, Jimmy Kahn had his ass hanging out the window. Oh, my gosh. Which to me, I'm saying to myself, this is what they do in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. He's lucky I didn't shoot him in the ass. Oh. I wanted it as a joke, but I figured out. That's the first week of the shooting. <laughs> Maybe that might not go well. But anyway, that's how the mooning started. Then they created a contest mm-hmm. of whoever can moon the most people at the same time wins. And Brando did it. During my I wedding can't scene. believe it was Brando who did it. Yeah, man, I'm thinking of these poor kids looking at that old, oh. what the hell is that about? <laughs> but anyway, you're talking, that's, that's that's the true definition of PTSD. Yeah, I mean, that these is... kids got to be suffering through adulthood. They're still <laughs> suffering to this day. They, they have dreams about a, a fat guy's wrinkly old ass. My God, Tell that's, me better. that's child. That's child endangerment. That's but you know, you know what's even funnier though? Imagine every time they heard this guy's name, <laughs> they would think it's a that seen vision. Bare butt. <laughs> that vision, forget about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Sweat. But you know, it, it's so funny because. As most of my life, here, you know, I've, I've, I've been so lucky with so many different things, even to get into this movie, you know, and, and 
the rehearsals at Patsy's. And it was just, a, a, it broke down all the barriers for me, I think. And you know, everybody talks about this Rayo's restaurant, which is on 114th yeah, Street. And you can't get in it. You know, they have no phone number. They don't, they're not open on the weekends. Hmm. They work Monday to Friday. And Rayo, the old man Rayo, I mean, this was his club. Same 10 tables. And Frankie Pellegrino, who gets the credit for making what it was, and he deserves it, it was way after his Aunt, Aunt Anna was a cook in there and a very knock-around guy that I, I traveled all over the world with him after in uh, Rome. He was always in Rome at the Hustler Hotel. Angelo Cheesecake, Angelo mm -hmm. the Jet. And uh, they would cook there. And, and Rayo would sit at the bar. And any time I was up there, he'd say, because I'd bring messages up for Costello, and uh, he'd say, you want some pasta? And the pasta was unbelievable. Yeah. Now I go there, I, it's unedible. Oh my gosh. You know what, and really? it's, I, I can't believe the reputation. They get $50 for a meatball. What? Our meatballs well, are famous. Yeah, it's like well, a, a Nick, giant meatball. When you get a table at Rayo's, it's like it's like buying a condominium. You know, not you only that, that, they they bid them at ten thousand. What? Yeah. 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 Where is this you place? One hundred fourteenth Street, Pleasant Let's say Thursday night at eight o'clock. But you better be there because if you're not there, you're paying for it anyway. Why? Yeah. Why is this such a huge thing? Well, let me let me. That's a good question. Let me explain it even how, how nuts this is. Okay. They have 10 tables, and those tables are booked every night, for five nights a week. And there's people who keep those tables because they use them as leverage. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about stockbrokers. This, this kid, Frank, no, Pellegrino, he did it, man. He, Regis Philman and, and, and Kathy Lee started it. They went up there one night, and he, he ran it like an old school, and they never changed anything. Hmm. The Christmas lights went up, I think, in 1911, and they were still up. Never took them down. All oh inside, I mean, crazy. And it was. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that was snow on the lights. It was yeah, dust. no dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy, but you know, this is how crazy the world. Is. I mean, but this was, you know, what was going on. In fact, when that place burnt down, they rebuilt it. Somebody burnt it down. They had a problem oh. after the old man died. Really? Yeah. Well. Uh, Frankie Pellegrino had the problem, and uh, he he shunned somebody one night that wouldn't give him a table. Oh, <laughs> so he, they burned he, down the building. But uh, they, used to, they used to call him Frankie No because anytime you called up for reservations, yep. you'd say no. Really? Yep. I mean, yep. he he turned down Hillary Clinton famously one night. Oh yeah. She, she said, uh, and she didn't call personally. One no, of her aides. People yep. called, and then he said, "You know who I'm calling? I'm calling for Hillary Clinton." He said, she's like everybody else. She wants a reservation. Like she, she has to wait three years like everybody else. No, wow, literally. why is it in such high demand? I don't well, get he, it. He created that by turning people down. Okay, so it then was, it becomes... It, it, was, it, was a, it was a mystique. You know, it was such okay. a small place. And what you would, you, you would get gangsters, actors, politicians. Mm. And, that, that's, and you see the same people at, every week. Every week. They, Every week, same exact faces. Wow, that's crazy. I, I used to go to a lot. A friend of mine had a table up there. Oh, that's Bo cool. Did. You know Bo. Oh, yeah, Bo. My, yeah. Yeah, Bo still has yeah. a table every Thursday. He has yeah, the Thursday table. Night, at 8 o'clock. Yeah. 8 o'clock. He's got the only 8 top in the whole place. All the tables are small. Oh. Because yeah. No, but Bo's had that so table. So interesting. But, you know, Bo, Bo did a lot of good with it. And uh, yeah. because he would, he would sell it. 
Mm. To uh, you go to auctions like uh, big charity dinners, and they say, "Okay, now we're going to raffle off a Rayo's table." Oh wow! It would go ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. That's insane. And you still had to buy the food. <laughs> that went to the <laughs> charity. That was just to sit down. That was just to sit down. That's oh, it's unreal. Oh. And yet they That's never it. took credit cards. They had no menu. And the guy Joe, who's still there, when he sits down with you, you know. He evaluates and he says, okay, uh, anybody have any allergies? Anybody this or that? And then they'll tell you, uh, well, what do you want to start with? You want to do a little gallamati salad? You want to do this? Some meatballs? And that costs you 500 <laughs> no. That's insane. Did you, know, did you know Joe the bartender there? You mean, you mean uh, Maddie, uh, Nikki the best? No, there was a guy named Joe. He only worked a couple nights a week. He was a friend of mine that got the job. That's how I started going up there. Oh, I, I, don't know, I don't know how long he was there. I mean, uh, he vanished after a while. That's that's when I met Bo, and we, we became partners in the PI business. And I was going up there every Thursday, practically. Oh, well, mm-hmm. were, were you were you uh, partners with him? We were partners. We opened up our first office uh, in Queens. Yeah, eighty six. Oh, that's wild! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And I trained him as a young cop. Oh. Uh, yeah, Bo, believe it or not, you you knew Bo after he discovered women, booze, and food. <laughs> I knew him when he got out of the academy. He was a he was a uh, world class bodybuilder. Oh wow! Let me tell you something. It's hard to believe, Johnny, because you you know what he turned out to be. I mean, I know Bo when he was in uniform. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. No, I'm talking about in a cop's uniform, not a detective. Yeah. And yeah. and one night I'm there with Louis Dome. Louis Dome and a, and a name that's a prestigious name in in legal. And it was his lawyer. Was uh, uh, Barry Schlotnick. Barry Schlotnick was representing him on the case of skimming the tickets for Sinatra at Westbury Music. And Louis was dating Barry Schlotnick's secretary. Because he would always bring her to take notes. And Louis, you know... Is that kind of a guy, a little short guy. Mm-hmm. So there was four of us at the table. And Bo was off duty and sitting at the bar. And you know Bo has the filthiest mouth in the world. Yeah. F this, F that. Don't care about nobody. Not around us. Mm-hmm. So Louis says to me, tell Bo to calm down a little. So I go over there and I said, Bo, Louis's getting pretty mad. You curse a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. You know, from a distance, it's, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Ten minutes go by, he started again. A couple of cocktails in him, I assume. Oh, yeah. So, he got that way. So then, he says, go tell him again. So I go tell him again. So, that goes by a couple more times. He says, call him over here. And Louis Dome, this guy, you don't fool around with. Mm. He's a little statured man, but I'll tell you right now. Called him over and he said, uh, "Bo, didn't you hear Gianni? I'm here with my my lady friend, my lawyer, and there's other women in the place. This this ain't a saloon for you to hang out. This is a neighborhood joint with f this and f that." Yeah. He says, "Now I gave you three chances, Bo. I hope your affairs in order." He says, what, do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Just what I said. Because I'm going to kill you by the end of the night. Bo, on my hands and, I mean, on my kids, he got on his hands and knees. Oh, man, I don't want to hear this. And he was, no, no, listen to this. I know. He was kissing (laughs) Louis' shoes. Oh, my gosh. 
please, Louie, no, don't do this. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, I won't. And he got up and he apologized. He don't look at her because he was apologizing to the girl. Oh, my gosh. He says, get out oh, of that's, here. That's, that's degrading, man. Yeah. But that's what they did. You know that. Those guys, that's man. That's crazy. When they had that power. I tell you, that that, that place, uh, that was the, if, that's the safest place in the entire city to park your car. Oh, yeah. You can leave your car out in the street, double parked, with the keys in it, engine running. Nobody would go near it. Really? No, no, yeah. Oh, nobody. In fact, you in would fact, come out, your car would be washed. Washed, clean. <laughs> no, no, the kids did in the neighborhood. Really? It's that's crazy. They kept an eye on it. Nobody got tickets. No, and, you know, that, that was a, you know, that was a crazy time. A crazy time, but... Uh, I mean, we got we got off the subject of the of the Ebley brothers. I'm Ebley brothers. I'm making them singers. <laughs> <laughs> the Ebley brothers. Where that come from? Anyway, but Pasquale and Tommy Ryan, unfortunately, as you pointed out, the hit was from a, a, a close friend of mine. Only to find out later on, you know, and uh, I always remember that day when he said, "Don't get too close to them." Yeah. And now he now I know. Now how how did Terry die? Alice, he just like faded away. I never saw him again. No, no Al- Alice Cherry was a house guest of mine in Rome when I used to have uh, Johnny uh, Agnelli's apartment on the pocket of the be in the billboard gazing. And he was drinking like a, a, man, a main man, a, a madman. Mm-hmm. And uh, the autopsy, and I think they did him a favor. They said he died of a heart attack. He died early. He died early. Oh, oh. Um, I don't know. About? About. I think he... I'll tell, how about I tell you what day he died, okay? Because I'm, okay. I'm not nuts, okay? <laughs> he died October 18, 1975. Oh. Three years after The Godfather came out. That's why you didn't see him anymore. Mm. Okay. His last so, film. So, was in other words, I, I can stop looking for him now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not going to see You're not going to see many <laughs> current films. All right. No, thank no, you. No, no. <laughs> All right. So, I, I think our, our young uh, companion here is telling us. We already talked for 35 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's time to wrap it up for tonight. Well, I hope we're keeping you interested. And again, anything you want to hear, just please email us, text us, call us. We made <laughs> it so easy for you. We want your cards and letters. And don't shut off the, the iPhone or whatever, cloud, whatever you're listening on, <laughs> because we're going to the mailbox. Yes. 15 minutes of the mailbox answering your questions, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Hopefully, or hear you, or you see us, or hear us, or whatever means. <laughs> however, we're, this works. However, however this works. That, 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 was, that was all one sentence. Notice that, uh, Megan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire thing. That was great. Everyone's really going to love it. I that. knew we ran out of time. <laughs> all right. Hey, good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Right. Love you all. Good night, guys. Good. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. 
We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.